Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content, like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast, it's your marketing powerhouse. Visit contentmonster.com to learn more. That's contentmonsta.com. Welcome to the Security on Cloud podcast. Brought to you by Anishin, where cloud security and compliance are top of mind. Join the conversation with your hosts, John Vecchi and Scott Emo. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the Security on Cloud podcast live on Anishin Radio. I'm your host, John Vecchi. And I'm Scott Emo. Today, we're going to talk about the theft of intellectual property and sensitive data across things like the defense industrial base and the supply chain at the Department of Defense. This represents one of the biggest threats to national security. And the new Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, what we call CMMC, was created by the DOD to actually combat these threats. That's right. In this episode, we want to talk about this new cyber certification model, which has been a hot topic for over a year now. And given the latest SolarWinds attack, which affected multiple federal agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security and the DOD, there's never been a more perfect time to discuss the security requirements for federal agencies. It's definitely true. So let's get some perspective on this. To help us break it all down, I'd like to introduce our guest for this week. He's a cybersecurity professional with over 27 years of IT and IT security experience. He's a certified information system security professional and project management professional. His extensive background includes providing risk assessments, security tests and evaluation, vulnerability assessments, security reviews, and audits for government agencies and commercial clients, most notably the Defense Health Agency, U.S. Air Force, and various Fortune 500 companies spanning multiple industries. He brings an impressive blend of knowledge of security controls and technical aspects of cybersecurity and IT operations. He joins us from Align, where he's the federal practice lead. It's our pleasure to have with us today, Mr. Tony Bay. Welcome, Tony. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. This is my first podcast. Oh, that, that's awesome, uh, Tony. No, no pressure. But, you know, as John mentioned, you, know, you are the federal practice lead um, over, over at Align. Can, uh, can you start by you know, telling our listeners what is Align and, and what do you do there? So Align is a cybersecurity partner to our various uh, clients, right? So what we are primarily is a cybersecurity compliance and auditing firm. So we're one of a few worldwide that offers the breadth of cybersecurity certification assessments and audits in the industry. I mean, we handle PCI, we handle SOC 1 and 2, we handle um, high trust, we do privacy, and then all the entire federal framework gambit, whether it's FISMA, RMF, FedRAMP, CMMC, 800-171, the whole, whole bit. Got it. And, and, you know, for those listeners, you can see we're in an industry that, that, that we call alphabet soup, right? You're hearing all these acronyms and, and there's a lot to keep track of. But specifically, you know, the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification or CMMC, I'm guessing many of our listeners, Tony, probably haven't heard of CMMC before. Maybe they have. Um, so let's start there, right? That, tell us what it is and, 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 and why is this being introduced? Sure. Um, so this is... Uh 
particular to DOD, right? Um, it is being looked at by other agencies in all of the U.S. federal government. It's even being looked at by some U.S. allies to being adopted in some form or fashion. But what it is, it's an outgrowth of the NIST 800-171 requirements, which is the protection of controlled, unclassified information in non-federal systems. When you talk about non-federal systems, you're talking about those systems that don't have a system accreditation by the government, whether it's RMF or FedRAMP or something like that. It's about essentially your corporate systems that may house sensitive government information that, that the government wants to be protected, and that's how they do it. 171 allows for self-attestation um, when you're doing business with the federal government. What the DOD found in some IG inspections or inspector general inspections regarding this is the fact that a lot of companies may say they were 171 compliant, but they truly weren't. So the CMC, CMC is an outgrowth to address that where it implements 171 or you know, protection of CUI, but having a trusted third-party vendor validate that, right? And the issue is certification to demonstrate that validation. What they also did is added some flexibility to it because not it's not a one-size-fits-all. 171 is a one-size-fits-all, right? You have to meet all 110 control aspects and document that. Where with CMMC, based on the type of information that is being shared with you by the government or what you're producing on behalf of the government, some have higher priority, some have lower priority based on the criticality. So they offer varying level certification, level one through level five. So those are the, I guess you'd say, the major milestones or differences between 171 and CMMC. Got it. Got it. Well, it's interesting, right? And as Scott mentioned at the top of the, the podcast, you know, right now we're in real time. We've been living you know, probably one of the most uh, prolific uh, cyber attacks and breaches in a long time uh, with um, the SolarWinds attack and the compromise of Orion with the Sunburst malware. Um, you know, given we're talking to you today about CMMC, and, and this is very much focused on on the, the DOD, and which, which, by the way, was potentially one of the agencies compromised by the SolarWinds attack, does, does does that affect CMMC, Tony, or does it put any more importance or focus on it in any way? Or I think it calls into attention to the fact that we need to concentrate on supply chain risk management, which what CMMC is really um, applying, right, is supply chain risk management. It's about protecting that government information with their prime contractors and then the flow down requirements from the primes to their subs and the subs to their subs type thing, right? Now, would CMC have really protected against a backdoor into security, into a, a tool set that was used by various companies um, that caused this, this, uh, this event, right? Honestly, I don't think so because C CMFC is concerned on protecting that government information, not necessarily secure engineering practices and DevSecOps that really, I think, is plays a greater role in what happened with the SolarWinds attack because it was introducing a weakness into the source code of a tool that was leveraged by other vendors, right, like SolarWinds. Um, that's not necessarily protecting government information, right? That makes it's sense. More a, it's more of a security engineering aspect. Yeah, yeah. So that that totally makes sense. Well, so Tony, so then who who needs to meet CMMC and you know and how you know how, how would they do it? <laughs> like who who like who do we who needs to worry about this? Well, CMMC right now is only a requirement when it's in the specific uh, contract that you that a company has with the government, right? So, or with the DOD specifically. Um, 
So basically, if you want to do business with the DOD, you need to worry about becoming CMC certified when it starts up. Um, it's mandatory for the primes, the ones that directly hold the contracts with the DOD. Again, the caveat is that the CMC requirement is within the contract with them. Now, it should because it's the DFAR 7012 clause. Any sub to that prime will have to abide by it based upon the CUI that is shared from the prime to the sub, right? So if the prime says they have to be CMMC level three certified because they're getting CUI or producing CUI for, for the DOD, if they don't share that same information to their subs and the subs don't necessarily have to be CMC level three, they could be CMC level one, which is the federal contract information. That's more like the accounting practice, that sort of stuff, right? So it all depends from one tier to the next of what is being shared that will determine the level that's required. Now, ultimate responsibility is still with the prime contract holder that has that contract with the DOD. Got it. So, so there are multiple levels, right, Tony? I mean, mm -hmm. there's, is there five, there are five distinct levels or four? For so CMC? there are, the CMC is divided to levels one through five, right? So one, one really, one applies the, the FARS cause, uh, require security requirements. They're like 17. Um, it's basic, basic cybersecurity hygiene type stuff, right? Um, mm -hmm. Level three outlines the equivalent of 171. In fact, it, it incorporates all 110 controls that 171 outlines, plus an additional 20 that the DOD created with their working group that developed the CMC framework. Levels four and five add in additional controls that are really designed for uh, protection of, uh, of data that they're worried about advanced persistent threats, you know, like from nation state actors, that sort of stuff. And the controls that they derive those from are from like the draft NIST special publication 800-172. Um, so that's where those, those three. Level two you'll hear talked about, it's not likely to ever be actually implemented or required by the federal government or DOD. It's more of a, uh, I guess the, what I've been told is like a stepping stone that shows how a company can go from level one to level three. Um, just it. more of a tracking or, or, or progression to get to that level three uh, status. Got it. Got it. Okay. So given, you know, we, we talk cloud on this program and, you know, as we know, the government has been, you know, uh, really building this cloud first approach. Mm -hmm. uh, and today, if you're say a cloud-based software vendor or independent software vendor, you know, building cloud applications that the government wants and needs, they'll be meeting uh, what we call FedRAMP, right? Some might know that, but that's the Federal Risk and Authorization yep. Management Program. Very, you know, and, and very specifically, you know, cloud-based software vendors, right? So a couple questions there. Um, I'm assuming if someone's listening to us today and they were, you know, they work for a cloud-based, uh, you know, software vendor meeting FedRAMP, I'm assuming they will need to to meet this. Um, it, yes, and, and is it... Uh, Will will the CMMC encompass more than just cloud-based provider solutions? Will it be everything? Or yes, yeah, so CMC is designed for everything. It's protecting government info, whether Got it's it. on-prem to the DoD, whether it's a web application or it's a full cloud service offering. Right? Um, everyone that deal does business with DoD will eventually need to do this. There is a transition plan that's outlined in the interim rule, the DFARS 12 interim rule that was finalized at the end of November of last year that introduces what that transition plan looks like. So like this first year, they're only going to designate like 
15 contracts that'll have the CMC requirement. And then it essentially kind of doubles each year for five years. At the end of the five years, all DOD contracts will have the CMC requirement rather than just the 171 requirement. So that's the plan. Um, you know, obviously there could be changes and tweaks to that rule as this rolls out. But right now, it's something to prep for. And the best way to prep is make sure that you're compliant with the 171. So if you're uh, just a follow up, and if if they're FedRAMP compliant today, is in your view kind of everything you're looking at with CMMC and, and ramping up for it, is it, will it be a difficult task it for those be, guys? I don't see it being too difficult. So the, the thing to remember is FedRAMP and a lot of the other cybersecurity frameworks are system specific, right? Do you have a, FedRAMP is about a cloud service offering, a cloud service solution that you offer to the government, right? The difference is that CMC is about protecting CUI wherever it's stored, wherever it's processed, or wherever it's transmitted. So if your data flow, understand the data flow of CUI that's coming in or coming into the company or being generated by a company, if it resides within the same boundary as FedRAMP, a lot of your work will be done for you because you already have a lot of those policies, procedures, controls implemented because of FedRAMP, right? But the minute that you see that CUI is outside of that boundary, you still have to apply those CMC controls or once on your one controls to the information that's protected outside the boundary because your FedRAMP only covers within the boundary. Got so it. that's why you're always going, whether you need to redo the work or apply that work to outside your boundary is going to depend on each company and how they've been able to restrict that uh, uh, government information. Got it. And again, for our, for our listeners, uh, the CUI is specifically the controlled unclassified information, right? That's kind yes. of, the, that's, yes. that's the, what everyone's really focused on there. Yes. Yep. And I, sorry for the, for the using all the acronyms. It's just second nature to me now. It's all right. Boy, we love, we love our acronyms, don't we? But, um, you know, Tony, you, you mentioned, you mentioned before that this is, uh, you know, you've been talking about the DOD specifically, and this is in contracts that the DOD put, you know, uh, would put in CMMC. Do you, do you see CMMC rolling, um, yeah, rolling out to other um, agencies, federal agencies as well, or is it, or do you think it's only going to be um, companies that are focused on selling to the DoD is the, that's going to be affected by this? Honestly, I think it will roll out to the rest. Um, Katie Arrington, who's essentially the 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 creator of this, she's the one that had drove CMC being created. Um, she's the one that's always in the news and everything about CMMC, right? Um, she she's been pushing this over and over again, working with the CMC accreditation body, all of that. Um, her various talks that she has given has said that they are in talks with other federal agencies about adopting this. On a personal, my personal opinion, I think it will eventually happen because it offers a trust but verify mechanism that 171 currently just does not have. 171 is self-attestation. It's just more of the government saying, are you complying with 171? And the, and the you know, company's going, yep, 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 yes, we are. But who's doing that independent validation or verification of it, right? That's why DOD did it, because they found a lot of companies were saying, yep, yes, we are. But either through unintentional misunderstanding of how that framework is supposed to be implemented, they truly weren't protected. And that's why you have such that concern, at least with DOD, about the exfiltration of data. I mean, you've seen some of these briefings where you look at the new, latest uh, uh, Chinese advanced strike fighter or whatever, the, the last fighter jet, right? And mm -hmm. compare it to the F-23. Looks very familiar. <laughs> they developed theirs in five years. I wonder how they did that. Right. It's so true. 
Well, look, and it's and it's interesting, right? As as you're talking about um, this, now will have a third party validation. Um, you know, again at Anishin, and and I think our two companies have worked together. And in, in full disclosure, right, we automate a lot of this process to really accelerate this, you know, Fed ramp today. And obviously, we're all looking at CMMC. Um, but what does the assessment look like? So you know, because it's third party validation. What does the assessment and, and the process, uh, you know, look like for companies now looking to have to get certified to this? Well, I mean, the actual assessment process is pretty much the same. I mean, all these assessment processes are essentially the same, right? You have a pre-assessment phase where you're, the assessor or auditor is, is gaining knowledge and information about what they're going to look at, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's documentation, uh, architectural drawings, and then we you know you set up these interviews. And then from that, we look at what are the findings or nonconformities, and we, we notify the companies to let them mitigate or, or remediate those findings. We take that into consideration, we write our report, and we submit that to whoever it needs to be submitted to. You know, obviously with the federal government, we are, as a third-party assessment organization, you know, under CMMC, actually last month, we got notified that we were de- officially designated as an official uh, CMC third-party assessment organization, one of the first 20, um, we act as that trusted party, that trusted independent third agent on behalf of the government to make a recommendation, one way or the other, good or bad, right? Um, even, you know, given that we're not trying to play gotcha with the companies either. We want to be fully upfront. It's an open book test. It's just more of if, if something's wrong, we got to be honest about it and provide that provided that information to them because it's all about risk management. It's all about the government having the information to make a fully informed decision on whether they're willing to accept that risk or not based on the pros and cons of, of the capability that the company is offering. So, so Tony, when, when does all this CCMC stuff start, right? I, I, we've been, we've been seeing this talked about for like over a year, you know, we're waiting for bated breath, right? This thing is being pushed very fast. Um, there's a lot of, uh, to be fair, there's a lot of criticism, um, about the CMC and, and about the implementation of this, right? And how fast and how they are, and then whether the information is coming out in an official or unofficial manner, that sort of stuff, right? To be fair with the CMC, this is going very quickly. You know, the thing, it, it's almost wild, wild west. Things are, they're trying to do their best. You know, is there room for criticism? Probably. Is some of it unjustified? I would say so. I mean, it depends on the situation. Uh, the latest information that I have or I've seen um, is a lot of it is based on the town hall they just did last month, the CMCAB did, to those uh, parties that are already registered and, and notified of, you know, whether they're provisional C3POs, they're provisional assessors, they've signed up to be certified assessors and all that stuff. So my personal opinion about when the CMC certifications are actually going to start is probably going to be July of this year. Um, this is based on the information that we got from the CMC town hall that the accreditation body held last month. Um, a lot of it is going to be based on the certified assessors becoming available. Um, they've already designated C3POs or the organizations that will do the assessments. And from what the DOD faxes that just got updated this month, we may be uh, actually issuing the certifications. I'm not sure about that yet. I'm going to seek better clarification on that from our aspect on that. But for the certified assessors, the reason why I say July is the fact that um, per the accreditation body, the training won't even be available till probably around April through their licensed uh, training partners that they have on the marketplace. So that's where this, the certified assessors will go to get trained on CMMC. And then the beta exams to be certified as a CMC assessor 
won't be available till around May or June at the earliest is what the accreditation body is saying. So then if you gave, basically give them a month to for CAs, potential CAs to test and then get actual officially certified by the AB to conduct these, probably won't be happening until July. So that's my opinion, my personal opinion on that. Now, again, there's going to be a, a huge rush on this. What I would urge companies to really look at what's happening because CMC, again, isn't required by the government itself unless you're bidding on a contract that has that CMC requirement or you're sub to a company that is bidding on it, right? Um, now, that's not to say that if a company has a lot of subs and they're just telling all their subs for ease of vendor risk management, saying all of you have to be CMC certified, that's a different story, right? But the availability of those assessments is going to be very limited in the beginning because those certified assessors have to be trained. Um, and there's just only so much ca capacity to do that, especially when they're just starting the program. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and, and, you know, so right now, like all of you, those that are going to be assessors, I know Anish and we're, you know, to, to partner with you guys on this and others, we, we've just become a certified, you know, registered provider organization and there's all the, all of these things happening and, you know, would love to talk, you know, I think would love to hear from you. Like, what do what do providers that are in the supply chain are going to need this? You know, uh, what do they need to do as as next steps? But first, I'm sure what's kind of interesting is, you know, this isn't free, right? So, <laughs> what you know, what are some of the? Is this is this expensive to do? If you find yourself either you know a main provider or in the supply chain, or, or what should organize organizations think relative to cost for all this? I mean. Okay, so with the, you know, I mentioned the interim rule, the DFAR saying 12 interim rule that they finalized um, November 30th of last year. Mm -hmm. It gave uh, the government as, uh, assumptions on cost to the economy and to the, to the players in this, right? How much do they estimate cost based on labor categories or roles, you know, a senior assessor versus a staff type stuff? Frankly, I think those were a little bit low. Um, is this going to be, Inexpensive, it depends on level. If you're talking like a level one, it should be fairly inexpensive. If you're talking about a level three or higher certification assessment, it's going to depend because, again, this is about wherever CUI resides. So if it's very pervasive in a corporate infrastructure where it's everywhere and they haven't really corralled it properly, I mean, just think about it. You have a team of one to three assessors having to look at the entire infrastructure and all the various systems in the corporation and interview all the people that are in, in charge of implementing security controls for those systems. I mean, you're talking, you know, there's a difference between two or three systems and interviewing 20, 30 people, which could be fairly inexpensive, to say it's an enterprise level where you got to worry about, say, three or 400 people that, that are in charge of various aspects of security controls. And then it covers about 20 to 30 systems. I mean, you're talking a matter of a couple of weeks of assessment time versus six to eight weeks of assessment time. Yeah. And, and with that real quickly. So if you're a cloud provider that today, let's say, you know, has FedRAMP certification and you make a cloud delivered cloud based, you know, application or software, um, it, it will CMMC in extend into, like you said, it, it covers cloud, on-premise, whatever. Is it safe to say for cloud providers who might have FedRAMP certification today focused on their cloud app, CMMC might 
extend into some kind of on-premise environment or assets that have nothing to do with their cloud app? Is that safe to say? Yeah, it's again, it's going to be based on where CUI is. So, okay. um, so a lot of these cloud service offerings you're talking about, you know, there are specific solutions you're selling to the government, right? That's what FedRAMP is. Mm-hmm. But what about all the ancillary data that is communicated via email or text messages? You know, I'm, I'm just drawing stuff out of the air, right? But mm-hmm. it's where that government sensitive information as classified CUI is coming into. If it's not directly um, limited to that FedRAMP boundary, then you've got to apply those controls to your corporate systems that are that may encounter that information. Yeah. So, I mean, for all those software vendors out there that are FedRAMP, you can just see immediately here how the scope of CMMC, right, begins to really expand from what these, yeah, with, right? And those are a lot of questions we're all asking, right? Because mm-hmm. it is a, it's a pain in the butt. I mean, yep. that, it's what it is it, because of the pervasiveness and, and there's always those side channel communications and CMC is trying to incorporate that stuff. And that's always going to be just a non, it's, a, it's not a trivial issue to try to tackle. Um, there are various things. Now I know that uh, CMC does recognize the fact that there are uh, security tools that could help with this. And they're trying to, from what I understand, create some sort of marketplace with pre- uh, pre-approved type products, right? So if you use these, it's known that these products will satisfy control X, Y, and Z type thing to help ease that thing. But it, you know, remember, security is never just a technology solution. It's also people and processes, and mm-hmm. you can't forget that. So just you, I caution companies trying to look for a silver bullet because there really is never going to be one. Great. Well, hey, uh, Tony. Um, so how I'm going to just switch gears here a little bit and and ask how do your customers typically engage with the line? I mean, how do, how do they get uh, in touch with you guys? And how, how does that how does that whole engagement work? Uh, you talking about how they're just trying to acquire our services? I mean, you know, they'll contact us. Um, we'll set up those initial discovery calls to say, hey, what is it you need? Why do you need it? Right? Because, again, we've always emphasized that we want to be a partner. So if it's something now I've actually had initial calls where it's like, it really doesn't sound like you need this or you need something mm-hmm. different. And well, I'll tell you that up front. I mean, do we want your business? Yes, but we don't also want to just do it for the sake of making a, making a dollar. If it's not going to be a value to you, well, I'll tell you. Um, if, if you have an idea of how it needs to work, I'll give you the pros and cons, right? Because ultimately it's a business decision how the company wants to proceed. But it always starts with those discovery calls to say, what is it you need? Why do you need it? And what can we do to provide for that? And then from there, you know, we work on timing and resource allocation, stuff like that. You know, obviously we can't reserve people to do these assessments without assigned contracts. The, the, the normal things, right? You now we get partner referrals. And if it's not a right fit for us, we refer it out to uh, various companies and partnerships like Anishan where they can provide that consulting side because we concentrate on the assessment side. Got it. Got it. So, so it sounds like everybody, look, uh, um, Tony, you're, you and, and Align, the team at Align are definitely there to help uh, with companies that, that even initially might just want a, a discussion with you to understand the scope and how it applies to them. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, for those listening, it sounds like a, fir- a good first step is, is contact uh, Tony and the team at Align. Um, certainly, uh, Anishin is involved in this as well, but we work very closely with you. We, they, you, clearly, you've got the expertise and uh, uh, people should definitely take advantage of that. Uh, it's so interesting. And, and with that, Tony, 
Uh, if any of our listeners do want to get in touch with you or the Align team, uh, t- where should they go? Tell them where they should go. Um, obviously, they can always go to our website to www.alignA-LIGN.com. You know, we're, we're out there on the web. You just do a search on CMMC, FedRAMP. You know, we're on the FedRAMP marketplace. We're also on the CMMC marketplace, which they do have because we are, uh, we're also designated C3PO for CMC. So the CMC AB has their own marketplace on their site, which is, I believe, cmcab.org. Um, so they can find our contact information out there as well. Look, fantastic. I mean, it's a, it's a great discussion. It's so interesting. I mean, look, this is, this is happening in real time. Um, there's, there's a lot of details to this, but really a great discussion, Tony. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. And remember, the Security on Cloud podcast is brought to you by Anishin, the leading cloud security and compliance automation provider, delivering the fastest path to security and compliance in the cloud. Thanks again to our guest, Tony Bay. Until we meet again, I'm John Vecchi. And I'm Scott Emo. See you next time on Anishin Radio. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Security on Cloud podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe so that you can join us again for another episode. And for tips, show notes, and more episodes, check us out at anishin.com. See you next time. Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast. It's your marketing powerhouse. Visit contentmonster.com to learn more. That's contentmonsta.com.